0: Amen. Thank you for that. That's the truth. You know that it's the truth. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what faithful, right? Bo Schembechler, the famous coach from the University of Michigan, said, "Those that stay will be champions. Those that stay will be champions." He didn't know that there was a verse in the Bible about that. Those that stay. Those that stay. Listen, you, if you want to know the sweetness of Christ, you've got to stick around. You've got to stay at it. You've got to stay at the Bible reading. You've got to stay at the faithfulness to God. More of it is required to serve the men to be found faithful. Stay at it. Stay at it. Don't quit. Don't give up. You quit and give up, you'll quit and give up too soon, and you'll never know how sweet it is to serve the Savior. I hope it be a blessing to you this morning, and if you'll take your Bibles and turn to... Joshua chapter 3, Joshua chapter 3, I, I have preached from this passage before, but I believe the Lord would have us to return here. Somebody has said that repetition is the, is the mother of learning, and boy, we need to learn to have faith, don't we? We need to learn to have faith, and I don't know of a greater story of faith There's a lot of them in the Bible. There's a lot of great stories of faith in the Bible, but I know very few that are as great a story as what we find in Joshua chapter 3. and Starting in verse number 15, the Bible says, And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up on in heap, very far from the city, Adam, that is beside Zaratan. Those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed, were cut off and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for the example of the nation of Israel that You've given us here. This generation lived through the wilderness and that trusted You and followed You. pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. Experienced many great things as they wandered through the wilderness. Manna from heaven, water from great depths, quail. Somebody said in... That congregation can, God, furnish a table in the wilderness and you proved it over and over and over again that you could. Those that grew up there and then made it to the banks of Jordan, Father, and then having to trust you, step out by faith, to claim the victory, cross over into the promised land. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn from it today. Speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for us to think this morning of the faith that it took for the nation of Israel to cross Jordan as they were come, the Bible says in verse 15, unto Jordan. And and I'd like to ask a question this morning. I wonder what kind of uh, faith does it take to do something like that? What kind of faith does it take to do something like that? Now, we know the specifics behind this. We know that uh, the Bible tells us here that they didn't cross uh, during a drought. Uh, They didn't cross when the water level was low at the end of the summertime getting into the fall. Now they crossed at about the time of the spring harvest. There have been archaeological digs around the uh, city of Jericho that have uh, confirmed the truth of the Bible here. The grain that they found uh, was grain that would have been harvested in the springtime harvest. When all the rains were falling, how many of you, we were in Bremerton when the deluge fell on Spokane. Some of you maybe thought we had to start building an ark or something, but we heard about it, made the news it was sunny skies over in Bremerton. I guess we switched for a couple of days. Well, I mean I'm talking about a deluge and how full the rivers got, and I think how appropriate it is that, that we would have approached this subject now, having that fresh on our minds and seeing the swollen rivers and the water spilling over into the streets and even into our, our yards and our driveways. That's what Jordan would have been like. It would have been during the time of that springtime harvest when the rains were fall and the Bible tells us that the banks of the Jordan River were overflown. What faith, man, what faith it took to cross at that time. What kind of faith is that? What kind of faith does it take to do something like the nation of Israel did on that day? Well, number one, I think The faith across Jordan takes preparation. If you look at Joshua chapter 3, Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves to be holy, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He said, Sanctify yourselves, for the Lord shall do wonders among you. The word sanctify means to consecrate, to prepare. And that's the, that's the part of the definition that I want us to focus on for just a few minutes. and uh, to, to dedicate, to be holy, to be separated, to set apart. But again, to prepare. And so Joshua was instructing the people to take steps that day for the step of faith that God was going to want them to take the next. You see, the faith across Jordan takes preparation in God's word, we find that preparation always precedes blessing. A short time ago, I read in 2 Kings chapter 3, the story of Jehoram's army. They wanted water, but they received no water until they did something, Till they dug ditches, you see. They had to prepare for the blessing of God. In 2 Kings chapter 4, I remembered that the widow's oil was not augmented until she had gathered the vessels, right? She had to prepare for the blessing of God to come. In 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman comes to the prophet and he had leprosy and the prophet told him, you've got to go down to Jordan and you've got to dip yourself seven times. And so, salvation didn't come, deliverance didn't come until Naaman went and dipped himself seven times into the Jordan River. Uh, in John chapter 9, the New Testament, no vision came to that man that was born blind until he had washed himself in the pool of Siloam. All I'm trying to illustrate here is that that uh, preparation precedes the blessing of God the faith that it takes to cross Jordan takes preparation if we're gonna have the faith that it takes to do something like that uh, we're gonna have to do a couple of things number one we're gonna have to deal biblically with our sin that's what Joshua was uh, telling the nation of Israel look you've got to sanctify yourself you need to set yourself apart unto God. You need to make sure that there's no sin in the camp. Later on, they'd find out what that sin in the camp would do as they would try to go against Ai. And after Jericho had tumbled to the ground and the commandment was given, don't take any of the spoils. Achan took of the spoils and he hit them in his tent, didn't he? And they went to Ai and they suffered defeat. Right after Jericho, they suffered a defeat in Ai. Because there's sin in the camp. And so Joshua, as they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River, ready to cross on that next day, he said, now listen, sanctify yourselves, prepare yourselves uh, today for what God's going to want you to do tomorrow. If we're going to have the faith that it takes to cross Jordan, we're going to have to do a couple of things. We're going to have to deal biblically with our sin and the things in our life that we hold nearer to ourselves than the Lord Jesus in our relationship to Him. Take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12, will you? We're going to see how, how we need to prepare ourselves today for the steps of faith that God wants us to take tomorrow. Because f- uh, faith takes preparation. The faith across Jordan takes preparation. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, and the first part of verse number 2 says, Wherefore? Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, here it is, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And then later on in verse number 22, it gives us the right direction to look, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, I think is an example of what faith is. We take our eyes off the circumstances. We take our eyes off what we can see and we put our eyes on somebody that we cannot see but we know He's there. We know He lives. We know He moves. And we know He works in our lives. But we've got to prepare our hearts to do that. We've got to deal with those things in our lives. Sometimes it's not just dealing with things that are right and wrong. Sometimes it's dealing with things that, are, that we find ourselves having to choose between what is good and what is best. Just weights in our lives that keep us back. That hold us back from letting the Lord be everything to us and having faith to move forward as God bids us to move forward. You see, we've got to prepare our hearts. We must prepare ourselves now for the step of faith that God will want us to take later. It's most likely if we don't do it now. It's most likely that it's too late to prepare when the circumstance arises. It's too late. We're not going to operate by faith if we have a circumstance right in our face. It's funny how, how our feelings shape our faith. When our faith should shape our feelings. See, if we'll prepare our faith, we will set ourselves apart unto God and the things of God. When circumstances arise, it shapes our feelings in the circumstance. But when we don't prepare our hearts and when we don't prepare ourselves unto God, then our feelings begin to shape our faith. When we don't prepare. You see the difference? You see what I'm saying? So the faith, faith across Jordan takes preparation. Number two, the faith across Jordan takes prioritization. Go back to Joshua chapter 3, if you will. Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, the faith across, across Jordan takes prioritization. Joshua 3, verse 9 says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he with, will without fail. Drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth, here it is, passeth over before you in the Jordan. You see, there is a priority. God first. God was before. The ark went before the people. Look at verse number 14. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. You see, there was a prioritization. There was a preparation of the people. But then there had to be a prioritization. God went before the people. God is before the people. God is before everything. That's what the Bible teaches. Colossians 1.17. Take your Bible turn there we'll see that the Lord is before all things. Colossians 1.17. And I want you to keep your finger here in just a minute. We're going to turn back to a different passage. But keep your finger. If you've got one of those little Bible markers, you might throw it in there. Luke, uh, Colossians 1.17. The Word of God teaches us that the Lord is before all things. Colossians 1.17. And He is, what does that word say? Before all things. By Him, All things consist. Keep your finger there. We're going to go somewhere in just a minute. But the Word of God also teaches us that the Lord is to be before all things. Go to Luke chapter 14. Keep your finger in Colossians 1.17. We're coming right back. We're going to look at a different verse in the same chapter. Luke chapter 14. We're going to see the Word of God also teaches that the Lord is to be before all things. Luke 14 verse 26. Look what Jesus said. These are the words of Christ Recorded in God's Word, Luke 14, verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, look down there. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's pretty straightforward language, isn't it? Now, is the Word of God teaching us here that we're supposed to hate our fathers, our mothers, our wives, and our children, and our brethren and sisters? No. What's the Word of God teaching here? The Word of God is teaching us that the Lord is to be before everything else, you see. He's to be before our father, before our mother, before our wives, before our children, before our brethren, before our sisters, and before our own lives also. You see, the Bible teaches us that the Lord is before all things, but it also teaches us that He is to be before all things. Lord Jesus is not just to have a place in our lives. Yes, does Lord Jesus have a place? Yes, he has a place in my life. But that's not what God wants. Lord Jesus is not to have just a place in our lives. Lord Jesus is not just to have a prominence in our lives. Some people won't say, well, he's got a place in my life. They'll say, he's got a prominence in my life. He's right up there at the top. You know, that's not enough. That's not what God wants. The Lord Jesus Christ is to have preeminence in our lives. Colossians 1.18, if you'll go back there. Colossians 1.18 says in the latter part of the verse, speaking of Christ, that in all things he might have, the Bible word is preeminence. Do you see that? Not just a place, not just prominence, but God said the Lord Jesus Christ is to have preeminence in our lives. Now preeminence means unshared supremacy. That's what it means unshared supremacy literally means that and so what the Bible is teaching us here is that the Lord is to be before all things the Lord is to be first place with our time above labor above leisure our schedule reflecting that he is indeed preeminent in my life my whole life revolves around him and the things that he loves you understand that that's what the Bible teaches above my schedule, above my time, above everything that I do and everything that I schedule, it needs to revolve around Christ because He has preeminence in my life. Church preempts everything else because He said in Hebrews 10.25, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. It's a manner of assembling. When the body assembles together, God intended for it to be assembled together. If you got up in the morning and you had a body part missing, would you be concerned? Where'd that thing go, you know? I'd be a little alarmed, even if it was my little toe. Hey, I only got four, you know, shower and look down. You only got four toes on one foot. Where'd that other toe go? You might just be the little toe in this body, but listen, it's important for you to be here, you know? I want you to understand that he is to have first place with our time, above our labor, above our leisure, above everything, above uh, first place with our talents. We need to be sure that we're using our gifts and abilities to prosper God before we would ever think to try to prosper ourselves with it. Now, thank the Lord sometimes we can use our gifts and talents and abilities to to earn a living. And I, I hope that you can find a way to do that. But do it with a purpose of paying the bills so you can serve God. Do it with a purpose of maybe earning a little extra money to send off to the mission field or to put into some program of the church. Why? Because God is to have the preeminence in our lives. Not, not, not just a place, not just a prominence, but unshared supremacy. I wonder sometimes, does my checkbook, does my checkbook reflect that God has a preeminence in my life? And by the way, if you want to know what has preeminence in your life, look at your checkbook. People are going to spend their money somewhere. God is to have first place with our, uh, with our treasure. I already got into that point. I skipped right over talents, went right into treasure. Giving what is required, what is requested. Our spending reflecting that he does not that he does not share first place with anybody or anything else in our lives. It's it's about priorities. And the faith to cross Jordan, it takes preparation, but it also takes prioritization. Where's God in this? Make sure he's out front. You know. Number three, the faith to cross Jordan. Not only takes preparation and prioritization, but it takes mobilization. Look at Joshua chapter 3 verses 14 to 17. It says, And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest. That the waters which came down above stood up and ro- stood and rose up upon and heap very far from the city Adam that is beside Zerotan. and those that came down toward the sea of the plain even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho, and the people that bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. All the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. All the preparation and prioritization in the world would have amounted to nothing had they not mobilized and dipped their toes into the river. They could prepare and prepare and prioritize and prioritize, but some, at some point they had to step out and do it, right? It takes mobilization. You see, the standing delivery had come a generation earlier on the banks of the Red Sea, if you'll recall. God said, turn here and led them to, into what looked like an ambush. And, then he, and, and God, said, God said to Moses, take your rod and stretch it out over the sea. And the, Moses did that, the sea parted. And the way was made clear. So they were standing still to see the salvation of the Lord. The standing delivery had come a generation earlier on the banks of the Red Sea. And the way was made clear. And they went through and they watched the defeat of the Egyptian armies that were closing in in pursuit. Well, this generation that we read about here didn't have a standing delivery. They had a stepping delivery. They had to mobilize and step out by faith to see God at work. They, they couldn't see a path through Jordan. Do you know that? They couldn't see. The, all they could see was that the Jordan was overflowing its banks. They couldn't see the pathway through. And Joshua gave commandment. When you see those priests pick up that ark and start moving toward the river, you get in line behind them. And those priests, they picked up the Ark of the Covenant of God, which was the presence of God for them in that time and that dispensation. And God moved forward, and the priests bare that Ark to the banks of the overflowing Jordan River. And it was not until those priests dipped their feet and troubled the waters of the Jordan River there that finally the pathway began to be made clear. A million people behind them. It's hard to stop a million people. And they were mobilized and they were marching to Jordan toward the river, uh, toward uncertainties, toward a pathway that they could not see. They couldn't even see where the water was piling up some 15 miles above, upstream by the city Zaratan. you know that, that's where, where Zeratan is from the place that they crossed. If you take from Zeratan down to Jericho about 15 and a half miles. Half the group gets through. They still couldn't see where that water was piled up. But they went by faith, didn't they? The faith faith across Jordan takes mobilization. Ladies and gentlemen, our standing delivery comes at salvation. All that God expects us to do at salvation is see the way he's made. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. That's what our standing delivery is. Our standing delivery is the day that we realize that we've got condemnation closing in on us and we need a way out and God made the way clear through the Lord Jesus Christ. The sea parted, the Red Sea parted and made a way for us to uh, defeat sin and death in our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ, His shed blood on the cross. And our standing delivery came at salvation. When the way was made clear, we had to do nothing. All we had to do was stand there and see the salvation of the Lord. The way that he had provided, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Then by faith we take God at his word and receive salvation. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And we step out and we take the way. That God makes in salvation. However, our stepping delivery is the faith we live by after salvation. You know that? The standing delivery comes when we realize that Jesus Christ is the way that God's provided. We trust Him as our Savior, but our stepping delivery comes after that. Then by faith we live. We take God at His word. We decide somewhere along the line, if God's word says it, I believe it. If God tells me, I'll do it. And early on, I know that after we're newly saved, a lot of times it comes easy, doesn't it? Sometimes decisions are easy to make, but the longer I make decisions with the Lord, the more difficult it seems like it becomes. And somewhere along the the maturity of a person's faith, they have to realize sometimes you just have to trust God and step out and do what he says to do. Sometimes it's a simple thing like tithing. And and, and somebody might say, I don't know how we're going to make it through the month if I tithe, but I know God wants me to do it, so by faith I'm going to trust God. Tithe. I don't know how that person could get saved. It's kind of useless for me to share the gospel with them, but I know, I believe the Lord wants me to share the gospel with them, like the gentleman that stood in this pulpit, and I can't because I'm on record, I can't mention his name. But he talked to those Buddhist monks, you remember him? He even argued with God for a moment. What good is it going to do for me to share the gospel? Well, you don't know. Sometimes we might look at a person and know somebody in our lives, I don't know what the point is in sharing the gospel with them. They're so hardened, they're so callous, they're so far along in their sin, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I trust God and I'm gonna follow God and, and we share the gospel and we find later on down the road, maybe they believe on Christ as their savior. We couldn't see it. The pathway wasn't there, but God, as soon as we stepped out, God made it clear. God made the way. Our stepping faith comes after salvation. It takes a more mature faith to live by faith and not by sight. It takes a more mature faith to take God at His word and step out before the way is is made clear. Many must see it to believe it, but mature faith believes it to see it. In Psalm chapter 27 verse 13, the Bible says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In recent weeks, I was in the church here alone during the week. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I need to see your goodness. And I looked up and there, there was the cross. I asked God to see his goodness and he pointed me to the cross. The faith to cross Jordan takes mobilization. We must be doers, not hearers only. We'll never have the faith to do what God wants us to do without preparation, doing what we know God wants us to do now for what we do not know, what He will want us to do later. It's going to take prioritization, giving Lord Jesus unshared supremacy in our lives. And thirdly, it's going to take mobilization, stepping out, taking God at His Word, even before the way may be perfectly clear. That's the kind of faith that it takes to cross Jordan. I'm gonna give an invitation. How the Lord may have spoken to you today, I do not know. My faith looks up to thee, Mrs. Knopf, my faith looks up to thee. How the Lord may have spoken to your heart this morning, would you come? The piano will begin to play standing to our feet. My faith looks up to me. We'll get you a number here. Number 59. Number 59. If you want to take your hymn book and turn there. We'll sing a few choruses of this. A few verses, rather. Verses and choruses. Invitation has been given. Will you come?